This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Don't be a pussy, laser my fucking tits. And welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series, The Boys, and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Rachel Reeves. And today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 5, Fuck Pigs and Laser Tits, also <laughs> known as We Gotta Go Now. I gotta juice up these uh, these episode titles because We Gotta Go Now tells me nothing, but... Mm-hmm. Fuck pigs and laser tits tells me a lot. Yeah, and I know exactly what you're talking about when exactly. you say that. Oh, oh that episode. Oh, All that right. episode. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Very excited to talk about it. But before we do, we have a very special guest joining us today. We are letting another boy onto the pod. Um, he is a musician and co-host of the Halloweenies podcast, and he is occasionally a co-host of the Losers Club podcast. Mackenzie Gerbauer, welcome to the pod. Hey, this is Wolfman Mac. How's it going? Uh, I am all those things. I'm, I, I'm very. <laughs> I find it interesting that you live with musician. Uh, that's how I. That's how I'd like to be known. Um, ah, so well, that worked I mean, out. <laughs> well, my superpower is uh, pandering. So you know. <laughs> I'm kidding. Also, I always get jarbled up when I say people's names. So Mackenzie Gerber, not Mackenzie, which is what I said. <laughs> so, so we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but tell us when you first discovered the boys, aside from just being one, you know. Well, the boys came at a time where I said, no, nah, no, thank you. I, I was <laughs> out on, I was kind of really done with superhero yep. stuff. Yep. And this mm-hmm. is coming from someone I, I've I've watched, you know, I, I'm watching the Superman and Lois show. I watched most of the Flash on, on CW. You know, I've watched a lot of superhero television and given things shots way longer than I probably should have and continue because I'm a completionist. And mm. I just, this was coming on and I just thought, no, I I don't want another superhero show. So I did not watch it right right away. I think, and I'm trying really hard to remember, but it must have been somewhere in the first season, mm-hmm. someone that I know, and I do not know who. I'm not going to give them credit <laughs> because I don't. I cannot remember. Just <laughs> kept saying, stuff, you know, <laughs> just kept saying that it was surprisingly fresh and not doing what you know all superhero things do and i and i knew that it was like satirical i knew that it was kind of like a you know tongue-in-cheek kind of look at this realm but um i was just so jaded i just didn't want to give into it so i finally gave it a shot and i don't know if it was during covid or what but i i finally gave it a shot and uh I was pleasantly surprised. I I think it's because I realized that that not only was this not really your typical superhero show, which is which is how they marketed it, kind of, but mm-hmm. it really was doing things that you just I don't feel you see on television at all anymore. And yeah. in terms of like pushing the envelope and not being 
you know, quote unquote, correct. And, and it's not trying to paint any of that stuff as good. It's just doing it and allowing people to be awful and allowing the viewer to be like, yeah, this is awful. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I think that that is kind of not to get too like, oh, about it, but it's brave to do that these days, you know, yeah. like and let the viewer actually decide what is wrong or right and not only show them what's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I get the sense that the creators behind this show are also over superhero movies, you know, and (laughs) want to kind of like pull back a little bit of the curtain behind all of that and show like the messy reality. Um, So uh, have you read any of the comics at all? So I haven't. So when I was listening to an episode Mm. a little while ago, I... I realized that Rachel has, yes? No. So you I have haven't read either. it. No, I haven't read the comment. It must have oh, so Dan, Dan Caffrey. I, I have like, not read the comments what's... either. Okay, I'm a so way off. We then. Know has. Maybe maybe <laughs> someone someone on the episode referenced the comic as if they knew something that had happened that was different. Oh, and I think I it was have... you. It was you because I was listening to the season one recap uh, or yeah. finale or whatever. And uh, just painting the differences. And so I, w- I was mm-hmm. interested because I was like, well, if you haven't seen the show, but you've read the comics, then don't you know where it goes? But in that episode, there's a major change in the from the comic to the series. Yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah. well, this, this would still be interesting. But now it's even more infinitely interesting because no one knows. <laughs> uh, no, no one, one knows. knows. Yeah, we're like the Spider-Man meme of all pointing at each other. Like, you've read the comics? Read <laughs> yeah, the comics? Oh, we got to do that later. <laughs> um, I have, I've written a lot about the show. And so I have kind of do- dove into the differences between the comics. So I, I do remember talking about that. And whenever I do know something that is different, I talk about it. But... Um, it's all from second Dan sources. Mm. Um, I'm sure one day we'll get to the comics. Um, but I think the show is enough on its own. Like it is kind of its own beast, you know, especially given what I do know about the differences. So are you fully caught up all the way through season three? I am caught up all the way through season three. <laughs> Be very careful right. with my words going forward. Yes, yes, Thank yes. You. And we are, uh, yes, we're doing that because Rachel is not, she, this You're is not. the extent of everything she knows. And I was saying before we started recording, this is maybe the most challenging thing I've ever done on a podcast is not spoil the just bananas things that are about to happen on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's move into our first category, which is Huey Cutie in the News. Yeah, Rachel, do we have any updates? A little bit, kind of. It's so funny right now, just with the state of the world and the strikes and so much unknown going on with this show, like what's been coming out. Mm -hmm. So there was an Entertainment Weekly interview with um, Vernon Sanders, who was the head of television at Amazon in MGM Studios, kind of talking about the boys and this new Gen V show and just kind of... (laughs) Sort of like what Mac was talking about, which is kind of interesting, just the idea that everybody's so tired of superhero stuff and how the boys uses that to its advantage Mm -hmm. and kind of the irony of the fact that they this show has been, you know, playing with those ideas and poking fun at this kind of the superhero universe model, but at the same time is creating one of their own. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, so he had a quote that he said, I think part of the thing that audiences love is that they're taking the piss out of all the exhaustive superhero explorations that we've seen and turning it all on its head. But I actually think that they've done it so well that they have earned the right to expand and explore. 
So the same irreverence that the boys has is in Gen V. And at the same time that we are definitely growing the universe, we're also unafraid to make fun of ourselves in doing it. And um, he talks about the fact that Eric Kripke, obviously the showrunner, kind of creator of the series, actually approached the executive team in 2019 after the season one premiere with his quote unquote, his vision for this whole universe that was beyond just the boys. And he has really stayed true to that vision. And I thought that was interesting because this was kind of always in the cards and what Kripke had envisioned, which like kind of surprised me, but kind of doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I'm here for it, mm-hmm. which is so funny because I'm so done with all the other superhero like universes and yeah. things. So Maybe it's not that I'm tired of superheroes, but I'm tired of those superheroes. But like, they keep putting I'm here for the boys in it. Like, we're going to have Patrick Schwarzenegger and we're going to have Clancy Brown, both of whom are very dreamy. Um, yeah, I, I could that. not remember Clancy Brown's name and I had to look up Pet Cemetery 2 to, um, to figure <laughs> yeah. it out. Um, but yeah, um, I am more and more excited about this by the day and it does kind of give like x-men first class vibes you know which i enjoyed a lot so you know just keep putting hot people in your show and i'll watch it um mac are you interested in gen v yeah as soon as i heard jason ritter was in it i was like (laughs) fanning my flame over here no is jason ritter in it because i do have a crush i see (laughs) i just see that he's in one episode but everything uh, says right. one episode, so who knows? You know, what I mean, I I, yeah. I I I don't like looking at, at IMDb too much about new shows because I don't want to know how long someone's in a show. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Just take that yeah. away. Mm, just take it away. Good point. Uh, or make it be one of those things where you can like remove it if you want to see how many episodes. Clancy Brown, love him, man. Put that guy yeah. in anything, I'll, I'll watch it. I I have mm-hmm. loved him forever. You know, Highlander yeah. and and everything. Um, yeah. His name on the show is Rich Brinkerhoff. Professor Rich Love it. Brinkerhoff. What a great name. Ooh. Professor Brinkerhoff. <laughs> Professor Brinkerhoff. <laughs> um, yeah, I love him. So excited. And King's Dominion too, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm i not as excited about Gen V as y'all are. I, I think it's more because, again, I'm still now so tired of superhero shows yeah, that even right. though I, if, even if I, if I know it's going to be kind of like the boys, I, a part of me is like, I've got to just, when the boys is over, maybe I'll pick it up, but I'm not going to watch it like at the same time I feel because mm. I just, there's just so much out there. It's kind of hard. It's, it's a great dilemma to have. There's so much mm-hmm. content out there and I can only dedicate so much of my time, my life yeah. to this. Um, yeah. And uh, and the boys is interesting because I have a love hate relationship with the show. Uh, it is, I find myself really intrigued and like, whoa, blown away by some of the stuff they're doing. And then I'm like, oh man, there's 45 minutes left, you know, like because oh. they're such <laughs> long episodes. But it's mm. that Prime and Apple TV situation where you know I'm also watching the Foundation right now, right? And that those are like mm-hmm. hour plus episodes every. And it's good. It's interesting. And I'm like, I'm in it. But just say it's 13, 14 episodes and then give them 45 minute run times. It's just easier to swallow, easier to make time to watch it now. You know, like in a world where there's so so much to watch, it's hard for people to sit there. And I know it looks better because they've been on sitting on Apple TV for an hour and five minutes or whatever instead of 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. But 
you got to give your viewers a break, you know? They'll watch five more episodes if it's all good and there's no filler, you mm -hmm. know? Absolutely. Um, what about if they added a five to seven minute musical montage at the end of every episode, a la Sons of Anarchy, because that's <laughs> when they started playing with those times and it was like one episode hey, was 105 minutes. I, and I still watched every fucking one I of them. I was a son. I was a son of anarchy. I watched that oh, whole I was thing. Too. <laughs> I watched that I whole damn too. thing. And, and, but I got to say, it got so indulgent in the last like two uh -huh. seasons it was like no just because someone's really good at what they do and they're they're like the best program on your network does not mean give them carte blanche like more uh -huh. is not always better you've like they've got to rein them in if you want more episodes ask for more episodes don't say hey you can do an hour and 25 minute episodes every single I mean, i'm telling you right now like those do not merit that length they really don't. Go watch yeah. them. I don't care if you're a huge fan. I'm, I'm not trying to trash the show because I did love the show. But yeah. those episodes could be cut and those episodes could be great. As great as the earlier seasons. But man, it's like, it's almost like Truman Show. It's almost like I could just like leave Sons on, go do some other stuff and come back and like pick up where, and it's like still on. Still, they, like nothing, yeah. nothing really happened in the 25 minutes I walked away. You know, maybe they had another conversation at a bar. But like now I'm back and now that now, now something's actually happening. So it's just very mm -hmm. strange why, why these networks yeah. give people kind of the reins. Can I, I tell you a fun Sons of Anarchy fact <laughs> that I have a personal connection to the series? Oh. So you know that amazing um, theme song? Uh-huh. Yeah. Sons of Anarchy. Gotta do this world. <laughs> yeah. Crow fly straight. Um, so... That singer is Curtis Stigers, uh -huh. who lives in Boise and is like a Boise like icon. He's a jazz musician and an extremely talented like saxophonist and singer and has had a career for decades. But he also, um, you know, dabbles in things like that. And he wrote and sang that song. And I've yeah, I've heard him perform it live so many times. And it's um, yeah. I'm happy to call him a friend. So yeah, there you go. Oh, very cool. <laughs> it is a great I, song. I think he yeah. said like next. So he had a song on the body in the bodyguard, and it's on that bodyguard <gasps> soundtrack. So next to the bodyguard, he said that's like his like the thing that's made him the most money. <laughs> God, that was my very first CD. Was the bodyguard? Really? <laughs> well, there you go. See, yeah. you, you're a huge Curtis Tigers fan. You I really am. <laughs> I am. Yeah, yeah. Now I got to look um, up this bodyguard song. Yeah, I'm going down a rabbit hole now. I know, yeah. Does it have anything to do with Whitney Houston? Does Whitney Houston sing? <sighs> no, he's oh, just okay. just one of his songs. His is songs is on the sound, on, yeah, because it's yeah. like half of her songs, and the other half is just like movie soundtracks. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. I uh, Corey put that um, murder song at the very end, like the crow murder <laughs> sad song. He put it on a playlist once, and I was like, "What are we doing here?" <laughs> oh my um, God. but you know his ipad his ipod is his ipod back when we had those all right well let's move into our next category which is the name of the game so today's episode is not actually called fuck pigs and laser tits it is called we gotta go now and our description reads butcher has no more intentions to fight with the soups but black noir traced his location and found him what will he do now Soups are shooting a film named Hashtag Dawn of the Seven. Homelander is doing what Stormfront told him to do. Oh, boy. Ooh. So this episode is directed by Baton 
Batan? Silva. Yeah. And um, this is his first foray into the realm of the boys. So the first episode that he has directed. He's originally from Mexico. And he does a lot of different things. Directing, producing, you know, assistant directing, actor, everything. And he's worked in TV a lot. uh, Mostly kind of action, drama-oriented stuff. Uh, He worked on that new Resident Evil TV series, Law and Order SVU, Rabbit Hole, Chicago Fire, um, yeah, and The Boys. So I, I, I feel like I'm a broken record because I'm always like, I liked this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I really did, but I think it was like it just really went some places, and (laughs) we get some big character moments i think that's a theme that we'll talk about later is just big feelings in Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways and maybe that drama kind of bent that he has in a lot of his other filmmaking proved to be an asset in this episode because yeah a lot of stuff going on with a lot of these characters but oh yeah it all was great Yeah, and I have yet to see an episode that I don't feel like was constructed well and looks yeah. bad, you know, so oh, yeah. I think they're, they're really doing a great job. They're using that Amazon money smartly, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, All right, well. I was, sorry, I was pretty surprised that, you know, when I was reading his credits, the, the director, that he was the first assistant director on Terrence Malick's Song to Song, Night of Cups, and to the Wonder. And I thought... These are the kinds of directors we're getting to do the boys, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it adds mm. this patient reverence to scenes and things that like have no business being on the show, but that's why it works. I haven't watched the second season in a while. I re- I really loved it, but so watching this the other day, I was like, oh, is this going to be a chore, you know? I I've got mm. I've, I'm I'm in the middle of move of a move right now, so I'm just like doing Timley and things. But mm. It was over before I knew it, and and that's the thing with this. If you if it's if it's good, you don't feel the time, and mm-hmm. and I really there's a lot happening in this episode that, that merit the time, and I I really like this one. Yeah, yeah. For when one of the A plots is people waiting in a house, you know, it does yeah. feel like it moves, you know, and I mm-hmm. think there there he does a great job of like maintaining tension even when there's not the big moments because then when the big moments happen then they just like you know laser you right in the tits and you weren't even you didn't even see it coming you know <laughs> i'm just gonna run this laser tits i was gonna say wait because... wait you didn't ask for it <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh because i fucking love that i almost just said you know you want to oh laser my fucking tits as we opened up the episode but you know maybe i'll save that maybe that'll be our new outro yeah <laughs> Just, yeah, just oh my gosh, off. we should make it our new intro instead of butcher. Um, all right, well, let's move into our next category, which is Sup with the Soups, which is where we recap our previous episode and kind of let you know where our boys and soups are. So when we last saw them, Kamiko was struggling with her brother's death and Frenchie is struggling to help her. Homelander can't get, seem to get a handle on the tides changing under him, and Stormfront is not helping by constantly rubbing salt in the womb, but she does have a meme farm. So, after a tense moment in the Vought elevator with Homelander, Starlight decides it's a good time to get the hell out of Dodge. She goes on a road trip to North Carolina with Huey and M.M., Along the way, we learn a little more about M.M., including that he has OCD, and Huey and Starlight hook up. Yay. Yay. But it can't ever happen again because nothing gold can stay. 
Homelander tracks down Becca, and they also have some hot reunion sex. Uh, They plot out a whole escape plan, but Becca decides at the last minute to stay. She knows that Butcher hates Ryan, and they'll never be able to make it work as a family. And the Deep is also getting in on the love action. He's auditioning wives, and it looks like the Church of Collective might have found him a winner. So that's where we are. Let's move into our bad boys category and talk about some of these bad boys. And whoo, there's a whole lot of bad boys to talk about. Let's start. Let's start with our swan song. Let's go to A Train. Because um, his, I know, but his like his story, I feel like is a little bit more of a lift out. And I think if we start talking about Homelander, that's going to pull on a whole bunch of threads. So Homelander, (laughs) uh, no, I'm sorry, A-Train. Man, what a cruel way to announce your retirement in like this big budget Avengers (laughs) Endgame movie. You know, I don't blame him for rejecting the scene. Well, and you think about like the the lag behind when a movie is like filmed and then released. Like, so what? He's just like, holding on to this for a year knowing right. that like when the movie comes out then he has to leave like well, that sucks it's great too mm. because I-, I love the opening of this and how we get more of the film that is just priceless and so exactly <laughs> what these movies are you know mm-hmm. and oh my gosh so when we get yeah that that he's not only doing that but then yes the lag He's gonna have to promote this thing. Again. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's not, it's not like he's just like off. You know, like the, he's gonna have to do all this stuff just to eventually say he's leaving. <laughs> so right, exactly. And that, well, you know, uh, Stormfront's gonna tweet about it. You yeah, know? and that mm. shot where he's doing the speech, uh, <laughs> it's not even Anthony starts. I mean, Homelander, it's so perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, just yeah, yeah, to make it even more brutal. It's like brutal. oh, we couldn't like Homelander couldn't even bothered to like actually be in this scene we have to get a stand-in for this like not only pivotal you know scene for like a movie but like this is his life this right. is his career mm-hmm. and it just oh. so clearly shows that they do not care about him mm-hmm. you know what mac what do you, how do you feel about a-train a-train's complicated because i feel like there are out of all of the well, I guess um, I guess a lot of the soups have something else going on outside of their lives that anchor mm-hmm. themselves in some kind of reality, like Maeve, you know. But yeah, you know, this is so hard not knowing what what not to talk about. But <laughs> I think that there's a Atria's interesting <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I feel that there's. I feel like he's always, there's always, I find myself feeling bad for him and seeing that there's, there are, maybe there's something there where you're not as, you're not like these other dudes, but, mm-hmm. uh, but then, you know, of course, you know, everybody, they keep just making the same mistakes, but, um, yeah, yeah. but that's what I think that's what I love about the characters. Right. And especially mm-hmm. with this character is that you should not care about any of these awful superheroes, but when you put yourself in the realm of understanding what has led them to this point and the machine in which they've been operating, which is, you know, soup Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, you cannot live a normal life and you cannot be a normal person. You cannot make normal decisions because everything is so weird. Um mm-hmm. That I, you, I, I, there's moments where I'm like, oh yeah, I, I, oh, I forgot he ran through Huey's girlfriend. 
Well, you yeah. know, like <laughs> just all of yeah, a sudden I I'm like, about that. I'm like, oh, that's oh, a really, yeah. oh, that's a real bummer that he's being, that that's how he's going out and Homelander's not even in the scene. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, hold on, hold on. Wait, what are all the awful things that he's done recently? So it's, it, yeah, I, 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 I like A-Train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do too. I, yeah. I, he's one of my favorite, I don't want to say favorites, but he's one of the characters that I find myself begrudgingly caring a lot about and that. Yeah. He's, I think, one of the most complicated and yes, interesting. Yes, complicated is good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've gone back and forth. I've had, like, such a ride with Adrian, mm-hmm. like, liking him and then, mm-hmm. like, being like, no, what an asshole, like, and then yeah. feeling bad for him. And I think that in a lot of ways, he almost feels like one of the most human characters, mm-hmm. like, of all the soups that we know, because obviously, like, Homelander is, like, a whole other level. And it's, like, an inhuman kind of coldness. And I think, you know, like, he really has such a range and i think that that range and kind of the complexity of what he's been through and the fact that we can you know be mad at him and then also pity him in the same moment it's like i just he does have a lot more human elements than some of these other superheroes that feel literally larger than life kind of caricatures of mm-hmm. more more superhero ish i guess yeah you know what he reminds me of and uh, i'm afraid to say so wait have you both seen superman 2 Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, the original it, Superman too. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's the Clark Kent all of a sudden like knows what it feels like to be hurt, right? Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you have this weird like, oh, well, like they can be hurt and they can not be at the top of their game, and it's hard to see them grapple with that because it feels like the first time they've ever had to grapple with that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, Atrian's not Superman, but <laughs> he's not right, He's right. not Christopher Reeve by any long, by mm. long shot. But I think you do have like that. Oh, like you, you, you are not, you know, impenetrable. And mm-hmm. you know, what if you have to walk away or give this up and kind of, you know, I don't, it's interesting. Yeah, and that's why, like, that's one of the things I think is really fascinating. Um, watch it and talking about this with Rachel is your first watch and one one of the reasons I always kind of make a point to ask how are you feeling about so-and-so, you know, because and I don't know how you feel about this Mac, but like knowing what is going to happen in the future, I think I can't help but let that color kind of my feelings about this character, you know? Mm. So I try to keep like in the moment of like, what is he doing now? How is he feeling now? And try to balance that with how I ultimately feel about the character, knowing the whole of the story as we have it so far. Mm -hmm. I did appreciate Ashley kind of, like calling him out in a way when yes. she, when he was like oh let's leave it open-ended like you can't do this let me talk to homelander and she was just like or you know we could talk about how you did this and this and i it, i think it was kind of a reality check for him to be like oh yeah like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know uh, maybe about I'm not that the victim. Oh. Yeah. well yeah and like the fact that she knows about it and acknowledges it and I, obviously some of the other his you know his co-workers quote unquote of the seven have known that and called him out on that but i think having somebody else in like ashley's position on like the business side of things i think that's what made him real like it kind of humbled him there i think mm. for a moment to be like oh yeah i gave myself a fucking heart attack yeah and that cracks yeah. me up too <laughs> ashley uh oh. so frenetic and just i love when they have those moments where she has to talk to these people that could just like incinerate her in a heartbeat uh-huh mm-hmm. but they <laughs> are so 
they're such losers in the sense that like they're so <laughs> obsessed with their soup fame that they will just eat it from her. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to see her really give it to him that moment is just like it just makes them even more pathetic and just more like these just these bad people. <laughs> you just like god, you want you you even let them make you feel bad about yourself mm-hmm. and and they're they're no one. They're just some exact, yeah. some studio exact. You know I mean, like if that, you know. But no, yeah. I, I but at Kobe, the same Kobe's time, so in that role, yeah. Oh, but yeah. It's, like it made me kind of happy to be like, oh, Ashley still has some of that spark yeah. because we've seen her be like so mm-hmm. broken by mm-hmm. Homelander mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like just completely just in his clutches. So for a moment, I was like, yeah, Ashley, okay, there's still hope for you. You still got that. <laughs> that sass that we first met you know it's not completely gone yeah yeah it made me wonder like how effective she could be if she like was not afraid that homelander was gonna like incinerate her at any second but i think she would probably end up like madeline you know i think she is cynical enough that she would like kind of look at the greater good and use that to excuse a whole lot of uh, other shitty stuff because you know we see her I don't know. I keep wanting to put her on the good guys list or the Spice Girls list because I like her so much and I enjoy watching her so much. But I just I like she is a figurehead for the bad guys, quote unquote. Um, I love that we learn uh, that a whole bunch of people ate her paella and that she fucked a guy with elephantitis. (laughs) Just a fun little moment. Um, But yeah, she has a she goes through it in this episode. She's got to deliver some uh, some very bad news to Homelander. And we notice her kind of I don't know if she's pulling her hair out or it's falling out as she's watching that that speech. Yeah. Either way, no good. I would not. This is a bad job. I don't care how much money she's making, like (laughs) handling not just one (laughs) superhero, but the whole team of the most famous superheroes on the planet. Like, no. No, thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Not it's in like, us. She's like Tom Wamsgans. You know, she's like a pain sponge. And that's just her entire job is to like fill out some paperwork and to deliver bad news and have to yes. like clean up all yes. of the shit. I was just about to say she's like Tom. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I absolutely like you, you can see them staying in the game long enough and trying to kind of like maneuver themselves, you know, but it's not help. It's not really helping them, <laughs> you know. No. Even if they get it, it there's you know, hair is falling out. You know, <laughs> like it's it, exactly it's so wild that what they've convinced themselves they need uh, in order to be relevant or or feel like they're doing something with their lives. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me wonder what else she has too. You know, because we never see her outside of the office and i mean there are a lot of characters that we don't see outside of um, vaught and you know the building but Mm. i just wonder if there is anything else in her life and you know when i think back to madeline too you know maybe that is part of the reason she wanted to have a baby is like i need something else you know Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but yeah ashley i just yeah she needs to quit (laughs) this is not gonna turn out well for her um, well, speaking of another, uh, you know, I was going to make this transition when we were talking about um, a train of people that we just like don't really want to like, but we can't help it. Let's talk about the deep. 
Oh, yeah. Still one of my favorite characters, <laughs> aside from the fact that he is just an oh, awful human. Um, so, yeah, he, he's married. Congratulations. Yay. I am like a little upset I didn't get to see a wedding. I wanted to see him in a wetsuit tuxedo. <laughs> I want to see the dolphins, you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like dolphins, like jumping yeah. over. Uh, like at the end of Jaws 3. You know? And like during you know, the during like the vows, wedding. he's just constantly looking at the dolphin. <laughs> yes uh-huh she's like she's like wiggling her she's like at over him. here <laughs> yeah the deep oh. another character that just in that first season just deplorable and and and, mm-hmm. and i thought i don't want to watch this dude do anything with this whole series yeah but mm-hmm. damn if i wasn't laughing out loud this whole episode anytime he showed up because it's just so dumb. <laughs> like, yes, I love that yeah. that montage, uh, the the like infomercial, and, and it's like <laughs> before all the mistakes, heartbreaks, disappointments, and when it says disappointments, you <laughs> showing like a dead deer in the desert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it was a decision made. <laughs> like so, mm. so <laughs> funny. They made that character so funny, and it the, his whole inception essentially is from this awful terrible awful 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 thing that he does mm-hmm. and it's so wild that you can still find a way to make us enjoy watching that character and their arc and it is my very much an arc there they're just constantly falling and failing and it's just mm-hmm. and it's not like they're getting away with it or something but yeah mm-hmm. yeah because they're not making him a hero you know they are making us like him but not actually like him you know it's just he's enjoyable to watch because he is so funny like and you know i like begrudgingly laughed at the moment where there's a guy like trying to kiss a girl and he's like hey dude that's not cool and then just solves sexual assault you know and just wanders down the road and like yep simple as that exactly (laughs) but hey we see a lot of that today right and i mean that's the stuff that i'm like yes thank you because People are doing that right now in real life and getting away with it. You know, mm-hmm. it's that yeah. simple. Hey, I said, you know, I know the difference now. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it's interesting because like, and this is one of the things we talked about when in the episode where his gills are singing, you know, like as much as like I don't want to have sympathy for him, there is power in seeing somebody tell somebody to stop harassing a girl. Like mm. there is like. again not to talk about the barbie movie but when you say something out loud it has more power and i think that i don't necessarily see the deep as like an after school special like cautionary tale or like a lesson character but i think that seeing a character like this have to go like fall on his face over and over and over Mm -hmm. again i do think that maybe people who would be more inclined to harass other people might see him and maybe it makes a tiny little bit of difference in their brain. And I do think that that's good. And I like that we are reckoning with it. And, you know, I say this a lot, but like, you know, there's a day after you get canceled and getting canceled doesn't mean your life is over and it doesn't mean your public life is over. And I like, like, I can't think of another show that I think really is handling better, like the aftermath of that and what happens to that person. Yeah. And, do we want them to come come back? What does that look like? How does that mm-hmm. affect the people around him? Because I do like every time he shows up and Starlight's around. I think I forget because we see him so much right. that he, Starlight has not seen him at all, mm-hmm. you know? 
Well, and just because he's ready to move on, she's like, fuck you, dude. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that's it, it doesn't work that way just because like he's said sorry and like, OK, I'm re- I realize I'd messed up. Like, let's move on. Like she d- he's not entitled to that just because right. he's ready. Like, exactly. Sh- she has every right to still feel upset with him. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Um, I did want to point out, so he has that interview with Katie Couric, which yes. is so funny, with his new wife. Uh-huh. And apparently the, the woman who wrote this episode, she, that's her mom. Katie Couric's her mom. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, wow. So that's why she's on this episode, huh. um, because her daughter, her daughter is one of the main writers for The Voice. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I she's one of those little cameos. I'm like oh, Katie Couric. Oh my goodness! The yeah. show Ellie Ellie Monahan. Ellie Monahan. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the show has the best um, celebrity cameos, and you just never know. And we also speaking of the Church of the Collective, we see Goran Viznish show up, who I know from ER, mm-hmm. but he is, uh, and I'm sure I messed up that spell that name. Um, Alistair. So we've heard mm-hmm. about him, and I was wondering, Rachel, if you're like, oh, there he is. Because oh, I'm excited because number one, it's like oh, it's Gordon Vasishnik, you know, like oh my gosh, like yay, like and it, the fact that he's an actual like named actor, it's like uh-huh. oh, we're gonna get more of this. Yeah. So I am all about that. I I'm like so curious what kind of this collective motivation is if it's like a stand-in for Scientology. So I mean, it's kind of feeling like the deep is sort of like some weird like tom cruise knockoff kind of thing that they're going to be like manipulating and trying to get back in and i love that when yeah it's just another sign that the deep is kind of like performatively reforming Mm -hmm. he goes to a homeless shelter and is handing out books It's food for your mind, you know, but just like the sheer like (laughs) ignorance and like naivety of like, Uh. dude, I literally don't have food and you're giving me a fucking book. Mm-hmm. Like just just that kind of disconnect. Yeah. And just... and it's this book? Like it's not even a good book? <laughs> <laughs> just, just one more thing that is like so awful, but yet it's just like, oh, yeah. sweetie, no. So yeah, absolutely being used. And yeah, I like that Scientology uh, comp. That, that's prop. Mm. That's, I, I think that's pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, and you know, there's there's more to come that is just delightful. So I'm yeah, so excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think one thing is interesting that we see in this episode um, is that we see the next phase of his comeback strategy is he's got to get some women on his side, and yeah. so we see two women kind of step up, Cassandra is his new wife who knows what incentive she got to marry him. I mean, he's not a bad looking dude, you know. Yeah. Um and he's, you know, stupid, uh, so she's That's all it run took. That if that's all it took, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a hot himbo and that's all you need, you know. Um but then we also see and we're going to talk about Maeve in a little bit, but we also see Maeve um like really spell this out like hey, if you want to get back in the seven, you need a woman to say I'm not a piece of shit, which uh you know, is his classic little like blizzards and stuff line like? Well, yeah. And then he's like, "You think I'm a piece of shit?" Like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, just again, <laughs> like this. Sh- like, yes, you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I just the cherry on top would have been if he'd said it wasn't on poipus again, which would have just made my day. But anything else we want to say about the deep before we move on? No, just uh, I am enjoying this. <laughs> 
saga oh yeah <laughs> as it it's, unfolds it's a it's quite a ride all right well let's go to homelander um because we just mentioned dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. yes this is a this is a big homelander episode um and it starts with Maeve, and um, this I just loved his girls get it on kind of slander with that that so, like such a slimy asshole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, you know, like writing her queerness into the story, oh, like mm-hmm. like mocking it, and oh, then yeah, girls yeah. get it. Like it's such dude bro energy, mm-hmm. and then the fact that he's like producing this film, oh. And, I, <laughs> and just total gaslighting because he's pretending he's like i don't know what you're talking about yeah. oh and he does that so so well and yeah mm-hmm. and, and and i love also with that line when she's like i'm gay and then it it cuts right before the kiss like all <laughs> oh all, yeah like all major hollywood movies and they never actually actually do it they just it's enough to have it in there but we're not going to show it you know like yeah so yeah. um mm-hmm. but yeah homeland in oof. china you know <laughs> yeah this episode's yeah. banned there, I'm sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> but ultimately, yeah, Homelander, man. Oof. Just mm. intense. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your feelings about Homelander in general. I love him. I, I mean, in, in the, in the, he is the, it's hard to be a villain that you love and want to see all the time, but you absolutely hate, but you love every minute they're on the screen. That is mm-hmm. such a hard thing to do. Usually it's just like mm-hmm. they're doing the villain so well, you really truly hate them and you don't want to see them. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just, there's a charismatic, I don't know, like he is Homelander in a way. Like that, I mean, I get why people are drawn to this guy. And it, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, he's just really, it's interesting. It's, it's just like watching a nuclear bomb right before it goes off. Like <laughs> you, you, you're, mesmerized at any point that's why i like that scene when he falls fake you know incinerates the whole crowd Mm -hmm. i remember watching that originally and thinking and being like and thinking it actually happened and because that's absolutely something that would happen on the show and then here we go we'll continue with this and i was kind of bummed that that's not what happened because Mm -hmm. i just feel like when are we gonna press the shiny red button on this character Mm -hmm. and I like that we see uh, into that uh, in this episode and just how unstable he really is. And he is at the precipice uh, at any moment, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, That's why it feels so believable when he lasers them all. Right, right. Like he he would do it, you know? And it's just like, it's been a continuous build, like thinking about like where we started with him. And I just appreciate the patience that they're having with this character. We're like, yes, we've seen him do some really awful things. Like you think about the plane and, you know, just like, just how he's kind of been building and building. And just when you think like, okay, that's it. It's like, it just keeps ratcheting up and it's like, it's super tense because mm-hmm. yeah, you, you, cause you believe that he could just completely decimate a whole crowd. But mm-hmm. then when you see him like in front of their, like, you're the real heroes. And just oh. like, he, like, he is so close to losing it and just mm-hmm. like keeping that look on his face and kind of that poised fury. <laughs> like, I don't know. Anthony Starr is, does such a good job at like selling that in such a realistic way that makes you like super scared right and i 
yeah i have no idea i i still i never know exactly where his character is going but it seems like there's nothing out of the realm of possibility for him and that's terrifying mm-hmm. in a lot of ways yeah um but he's doing a good job of it but yeah i loved oh i just i loved um I loved how they tried to fix him with memes too. This is <laughs> yeah. the strategy. You're gonna punch after up that the fear. lovely speech. It started to work yeah. too a little bit. Yeah, it did. It, yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. you got a good funny meme out there. I could put a lot of band aids on things. Exactly. Once it shows up on your uncle's Facebook, you know you're making progress. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, and okay. So the reason he's doing some damage control because I also think the scene of him in oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. the hallway is just so like terrifying but also relatable like I've had those moments where I was like oh shit I gotta fix that you know like I'm already right now thinking do I need to redo how I said Goran Vizichnik's name because we're gonna get mad at me <laughs> like you just start thinking through that and I, yeah. like to see somebody with this much volatile power having uh-huh. one of those moments where I just feel like I'm gonna explode as like a normal human like I don't know just he's like right on the brink of losing control so that video so he's in yes Another country, I can't, I don't remember exactly where they were, but he, you know, he kills a bad guy, but Mm -hmm. then I I honestly think it was unintentionally that he killed, you know, like a teenage boy because it Mm -hmm. was, he he was behind something. He couldn't see it. But at the same time, he was just like, oops, sorry, you know, didn't show any remorse for what he did, even though it was unintentional. And it's like, he's kind of like the, the disconnect between him and the public is that gap is widening Mm -hmm. in some ways because then you know when he's giving that speech and says like yeah sometimes you know you know shit happens and they're like wait this has happened before and it's like Mm -hmm. he realizes like oh whoops like he's he's not being as careful and he's not being as aware i think yeah with kind of the the guys that he's been putting up and has been giving off for so long Mm -hmm. yeah he he's living in this little bubble right and he and and with the seven and and fought and they've allowed him to believe that that the world is like this and these people are not worth anything you know i mean they're they're just Mm -hmm. numbers you know and Mm -hmm. so yeah when he goes out there unchecked and says something like that and then they take it the wrong way i don't think he was really i mean he's saying that yeah yes in these situations sometimes bystanders might get hurt and you know but obviously he was not prepared and does not have the temperament to handle that situation. And when he starts getting challenged, you see, you know, that's, again, that's why I thought that he really (laughs) incinerated all those people because I was like, he does not have the tools, you know, and now he doesn't have, you know, mommy to go home, (laughs) to go to like, Mm. you know, which as another development in this episode, I think really works. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do want to talk about um, Stormfront, Stormfront, but I love this video that we get. And it reminded me of the plane when he just lasers the plane because he's not being careful because he doesn't have to. It doesn't matter to him. But just Mm -hmm. him landing and just the contempt he has, he's like, ooh. It's just a perfect little 10-second video that tells you everything you need to know about this character, you know? Yeah. And he's like, okay, am I good? Can I get out of here? And then just flies off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we see him and I, I want to ask you, Rachel, because I have been 
really biting my tongue about where Stormfront is going. And I know that we have been feeling a lot of tension between Homelander and Stormfront, especially yeah. in the last episode. And I just want to know, is this where you saw that going? No. Like, I knew there was going to be a confrontation of some sort. Mm -hmm. However, I didn't expect a confrontation of this sort. <laughs> A confrontation. Um, yes. Mm. However, I, you know, I think we see some interesting things about Stormfront, and I'm not sure if I was reading into this the right way, but, you, we, you know, we've seen her kind of offering to help Homelander, and I've kind of been thinking that that's just, and it, it probably is, just some exercise of control. Like, she wants mm -hmm. to have some level of control over Homelander, and it's a manipulation tactic in some way, which I think it is. But then when she's talking to Starlight and they're having the conversation and Starlight kind of is letting her know, like, dude, I know who you are. Mm -hmm. And then she says something. Starlight basically is like, says something about being racist or like, oh, because they're white or whatever, or because mm -hmm. we're white. And she's like, no, because we're superheroes. And I'm like, oh, this is like even like another level of like racism of a sort. Like she's a superhero supremacist not mm -hmm. just like a white supremacist like it's like another level where only superheroes you know and that that feels very x-men to me mm -hmm. um but the fact that and so that kind of progressing into what we see with homelander sort of makes sense to me because it's like oh they've got I mean, they're both superheroes, so of course the only kind of person that she's going to interact with in this way would be another superhero. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if I was reading into that correctly, but that's kind of what I took away from that. No, I yeah. think that's right on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty spot on. Yeah. I keep I kept wanting to say in the last episode, like, can't you two see that you're in love with each other, you know? And there's part of me that is really happy about this relationship because I think if they weren't both evil... <laughs> then they would be a great couple. That's a huge you know? butt, yeah. Exactly, yeah. If they weren't well, both well, they were yeah, murderers and terrible people. people. If they weren't both monsters, then it's right, absolutely exactly. terrifying. But it reminds me of... Um, Twilight, you know, when uh, Bella can finally have sex with Edward without Edward hurting her. Right, you know, right, it's like right, right. he finally has an outlet for all of this. And I think that if they were better people and if the show was a different universe, then this could be really good for them. And we have been talking about how, like, one of Homelander's biggest problems is that he doesn't have anybody who he can be his vulnerable self with. Mm -hmm. um, who is not going to lie to him. But I think the problem is like Stormfront might be even worse than her because than Homelander because she's so manipulative. You know, I feel like she's like five steps down the road to Homelander, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're, 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 they're throwing her name or Stormfront's name around so, saying, oh, she's like being moved everywhere like a Catholic priest. That's not the kind of <laughs> comparisons you want made <laughs> about this character. Uh, I mean, at least Homelander hasn't been... <laughs> thrown around like that uh that's true yeah <laughs> but yeah i i yeah cash is 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 really scary in a in a in mm -hmm. a and and they both have their different ways right i mean hers is so much more muted and sentient and very mm -hmm. uh i don't want to make political likenesses uh yeah ultimately i think that it's it's just you know she knows she knows what mm -hmm. she's saying 
and you know that she's not saying what she's saying. You know, you know, all the subtext is coming through and, and she's not even trying, you know, that is, mm-hmm. that is, that is the craft. Oh yeah. 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 The dog whistles are loud and clear, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and just the fact that we kind of know that for some reason her age is like, she's been around, she's literally been around longer mm-hmm. than, you know, Homelander and stuff. So yeah. it's like, she, she knows how to play this game in such a different way. Mm-hmm. And for her, I think time operates, it literally operates differently. So mm-hmm. she has the patience to, to play all these cards very carefully and make all these moves very strategically and to use Homelander as one of those pawns and knowing what we know about Homelander and his relation with Madeline and kind of how he's looking for this mother figure, looking for somebody to validate him in those ways and like use him in that way. And like, oof, yeah, he's going to let her is Mm -hmm. the thing, I guess. Like he's going to let her do that and that's a big weapon to have in your arsenal. So it like Stormfront is in a lot of ways moved to the top of my list of after this episode of like scary factor. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Cause she is essentially giving him permission, you know? Yeah. And I think like she, he goes to her after he has this panic in the hallway and he, he doesn't know what to do, but he sees her just kind of walk around with this swagger that he used to have. And he's like, I can get that back. And I think the problem with this speech is that he doesn't fully commit the the speech he gives at the rally is he doesn't mm-hmm. fully commit one way or the other. He's not apologetic. Um, oh, I, I, I'm so sorry. I, it was an accident. It was a mistake. But he's also like, hey, no, it just happens. You know, he he's not willing to fully commit to that. It was an accident. I'm still doing the right thing. He's testing the language out, but I think they can tell like he doesn't feel comfortable in it. And so what I think Stormfront is kind of has shown him is that like, you no, know, you can say those things. You just have to say it with gusto. You know, you've got to, you've got to like make them think you believe it because if they think you believe it, then they will believe it too. And then they can support you. And I think that is going to make him just infinitely more dangerous because he's going to, he's going to realize he doesn't have to give as many fucks as he's been giving, you know, cause yeah. he dropped nine points, but then he went back up and it's like, you know, she said something uh, in an episode or two ago, like, you don't have to have everybody love you. You just need the right people to love you, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Aya um, Cash is just fantastic in this role and this episode. Okay, so also, she knows about Starlight yeah. and Gecko and that she's the one who leaked it. And I don't think we got an answer here, but I'm quite curious to find out if it's just Stormfront who knows this. Mm. or does mr like how does stormfront know this does mr edgar know this does vat know this like and they're just holding on to that information and stormfront has that information and that's like a big like cloud hanging over starlight's head i think mm-hmm. and so i don't know we learned a lot about stormfront in this episode <laughs> we did yeah. yeah i'm always surprised that when moments like this happen that the superhero that's more powerful than the other superhero doesn't just kill them. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. why aren't you just taking Starlight out back and, you know, drowning her in a river somewhere? You know, like I, I, it's, it's, it's like, it's very interesting that they, they have the power, but they're almost more interested in manipulating the people and Mm -hmm. toying with them rather than Mm -hmm. just getting rid of them, which is just even more evil. (laughs) 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She's playing the long game. Yeah. You know? Oh, she's yeah. She's like, no. Because that's what she says. She's like, you're going to help me out a lot or I'm going to be able to use you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have this in my shock and awe, but I'm going to move it up. But we see her talk on the phone to someone. And I was so excited to see this. Rachel, did you catch who she was talking to? Wait, who Stormfront was talking Stormfront to? Stormfront was talking to. It's Sean Ashmore. Yay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Love it. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't, was so excited. I love it. I don't know what their relation. They didn't say what their like, no, relationship they did not. was, no. right? Just that it's like Shady Grove something right. that Starlight mm-hmm. sees, right? But okay. Yeah. Nothing yes. good was ever named Shady Grove, by the way, too. <laughs> That's true. And I just never a place you want to end up. But right? I, yeah, I, I like that they that they show Sean Ashmore and and I, and I love that he's playing with a lighter, which is very opposite of his X Men character, which I thought was a fun yes. nod. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I'm not only giving anything away, obviously, but like you know, it, it's it was fun to see him. <laughs> yep, very fun. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think it will surprise anyone to know that I have a big crush on Sean Ashmore. So, you know, was very excited. Um, All right. Well, let's move on. Okay. So another, this was another moment where I was like, Rachel's going to like this episode because we get a lot of black noir in this episode and Rachel has been dying for more black noir. I've I've been, can't get enough black noir. And finally, I feel like we actually get some black noir, Mm -hmm. even if he's just lurking about on a roof for half of it i don't care he's activated Mm -hmm. black noir is activated he's out there tracking down butcher and tracks him to his aunt's house and still not entirely sure why i mean i'm assuming like it's like black noir is the only one who's actually doing his job exactly yeah (laughs) it seems like he's Mm -hmm. the only one that is actually doing what he probably should be doing Mm. um and trying to hold butcher accountable (laughs) yeah i love that even though he gets you know tripped up in all these explosions that mm sets for him he still survives and mr edgar apparently has like a cam a direct camera hooked up to black noir Mm -hmm. to use him Mm -hmm. which also is like oh black noir is like he really is like secret ninjas special ops like out there doing stuff while everybody else is out making movies like exactly yeah his job is so much different than everybody else's yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. he's actually living in that the the world that and everybody else is just in the movie all the time essentially you exactly. know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. yeah no i like black noir i'm trying to figure out where what where is that character's story arc so far what what do you already know or not know we don't know very much about him okay. um as of now this is about we know like his ringtone i don't think is surprising because we have found out that he can play piano mm-hmm. um we still have never heard his voice or seen his face mm-hmm. um and really don't know much about him other than um he's been around for a long time and he does he does a lot of the cleanup yeah you know like the, oh, okay. a lot of the I'm stuff remember- that Homelander I, I, takes I'm, care I'm of. recalling some things yeah. yes yes there are some other things that well yeah happen. no I I just <laughs> I, I I'm a I know where that character's at right now and yeah uh I was always really team black noir in terms of just seeing them show up because i liked the mystery of the character they reminded me of mm-hmm. snake eyes from gi joe who i always loved as yeah. a kid. <laughs> they're just it's just yeah. like the one getting things done and they do truly feel like a threat so when black noir is there at the house and then and then every episode i'm like 
how are these how are the boys still alive <laughs> yeah every yeah, episode absolutely. i'm like i don't understand how they're still doing this <laughs> it's so yeah. wild to, it's so one, wild yeah. to me uh yeah. and, it's, and 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 also i don't know where to really talk about this but it's you know i'll, I'll save it for shock and awe. i'll write it down shock and awe, actually all right. Um, yeah, because that is a good, um, I think, transition into our next category. But before we move there, I do want to say that he is scary in this episode. Like when you see him in action, it is just yeah. very like, like he just lifts Butcher up. And it's very like we don't see him do much more than be a menacing presence in most of these episodes. And to see him actually um, do this scary shit, I think, is is horrifying. Yeah. Um, well, let's move into our next category, which is Spice Girls, where we talk about our Spice Girls. And let's start with, you know, I was going to go straight to um, the the boys, but let's talk about Maeve because I just wrote, and of course they are exploiting her sexuality. And I think we are led to believe that Homelander is in charge of this, and he probably is, but I mean, I would not put it past Vought for a second to exploit this. Well, they, I mean, the marketing guys, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Hashtag Brave Maeve. <laughs> oh, Brave yeah. Maeve. Oh. The picture of her in the flag and how mm. they want Elena to wear a pantsuit because that conforms more to gender norms. Right. Le- lesbians, easier to sell. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. Uh. And I just, Maeve, I just feel like she's never really gotten a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do feel like. There's a flicker of hope, you know, with the fact that she's trying to team up with the deep and she's being clever about how she fights back. But this episode is she just sits back and kind of not takes it, it feels like. But she's just kind of like, all right, I'm just going to go with this for now Mm -hmm. and making plans because she knows she has to be smarter about it, I think. Right. She's biding her time. It's tough, tough character because. They cert- they they do so well. Where they're so concerned and frightened of Homelander that we are we are now we understand that he is a bigger threat than we realize, and that's mm-hmm. I felt like that from the from the day one, you know, from the beginning, mm-hmm. and I love that about that character because it was like. I was always looking at her in the conference room <laughs> for cues, you know, to see like, uh, is this okay? <laughs> it's a, what mm-hmm. are you, uh, are you scared of it? Yeah. Are, are you worried about him? Um, mm-hmm. but also, oh, I guess this is a th- a part of the theme. So I'll, I'll save that for themes, but yes, the, the fact that, that, that thoughts just ex- exploiting the hell out of it too. And, and they're so excited about it too. It's, it's sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so cynical and yeah, it's like, they're so excited about this diversity that they now can like just check off their box with, you know. But um, also like Elena says like, but she's bi, which yeah. I think is like the first time we've actually heard that mm. and, you know, whatever. Like, but mm-hmm. that's the first time like she, it, and it's it's yet to come from Maeve, which I think is right. interesting. But like, we, you know, we've seen their relationship and then Homelander kind of has labeled her as a lesbian 
but then Elena's like, you know, they're, you know, marketing's calling her a lesbian and Elena's like, she's bi, right, <laughs> you know? right. which, which, you know, I think is interesting because then it's like, oh, maybe sh- her relationship with Homelander, maybe there was a little bit of actually something there right. yeah. more than just like a PR kind of stunt thing. But I think it just further proves that like, they don't even hear that. They're just like, whatever. Like, it's just right. like, oh, she's queer. Oh, she- we're just going to label her as this and use that. But they're not even like, you know, she says that and you would think that like a compassionate person would be like, oh my gosh, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you know, because I know like I thought she was a lesbian and it was mm-hmm. like immediately like, oh, I, you know, mislabeled her and like yeah. felt that. But they just, they just steamroll that and just blow past it because they don't really care. They don't right. really care. They don't. <laughs> well, the first scene of the show, we have her scripted saying I'm gay to yeah. this lady that is playing Elena with the tattoo hands that they've just dug up out of the rubble. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, I mean, they are scripting her coming out moment and it just like, I wonder what conversations they have had with her about this, you know, and I'm sure that's probably nothing. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, oh no. we're so excited because they, they expect her to be excited about it, too, because, you know, they think it would be good for her. And I just like, I don't know, Elena gets so sad or frustrated in the chair. And but I almost feel worse for Maeve because she's just sitting there and it's like you can feel her kind of dying inside yeah. a little bit. And we know that she's playing a long game and that she's got like this is, I think, a a justifiable she's justifying this in her head like this is for the better good this is to protect elena but also like how humiliating that must be and how like devastating to have like this this thing about yourself be met with this kind of like greed and cynicism and you know she it's just like a train you know she knows they don't care about her yeah it's also sad to see just kind of how like numb she is to it as well like yeah Mm -hmm. like elena's having all of the reactions that you would you would have and Maeve should be having essentially mm-hmm. but it's just like another day yeah thought needs to, yeah. thought mm-hmm. needs to do this oh i'll i'll sacrifice this i'll compromise this you know and obviously mm-hmm. i mean i know a lot of it is calculated with homelander which gives it some agency which is which is good obviously where that's going but yeah it is it's brutal to see the what what has become of the situation yeah yeah yeah, but we see there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel because she does say to Elena, we're going to take this motherfucker down and yes. we see her approach the deep. So yeah. th- I think burn this it is- down, Maeve. Burn exactly. It down. Yeah. And I think that that is a big step for Maeve because I think we've seen her kind of looking at Starlight and like, mm, is this something I could do? And now I think this is a tiny little step towards that um let's well speaking of starlight there's not a whole lot to say about annie slash starlight in this episode um i do really like this moment that she has with her mom um and i put annie's mom on the good guys list i think maybe for the first time um really uh, maybe i started with her on the good guys list yeah i've kind of been flipping her around a little bit it may have something to do with my own feelings about my own mother but that is a conversation (laughs) for therapy um but uh she's not gonna listen it's fine um but uh so thoughts on starlight in this episode i think it's like i believe when she is breaking down with stormfront like i don't want forgiveness from her i don't want this right now you know yeah oh totally yeah i i a little conflicted with starlight in 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 this Mm -hmm. one because you know, you you're you know storm you know something's going on with Stormfront and you're trying to figure mm. this stuff out. And 
I feel like I was kind of, I was mad. I was like, you're, why are you, she's clearly purposely trying to get under your skin with this mother thing with, with Anne Cusack character. And, and you, why are you allowing the, her to do this? Like, mm-hmm. like, are, do you not see that? And, and, but I mean, Stormfront kind of calls her out later and is just like, you're not a good actor. Like you, I can read you, uh, you know, I could just, you know, you, you wear your emotions and everything on your sleeve and, and she does, you know, I mean, will she do that forever? Who knows? But like, I, I, I was just kind of like, oh, don't, don't fall for it. You know, you're just like yelling at the screen, mm-hmm. like, don't yeah. let her see what's really going on because mm-hmm. clearly she knows something is up. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, she, yeah, like she doesn't have a ton to do in this episode, but, uh, yeah. but the, the relationship with her mother and every, everything that she had just found out too, is just, yeah, I wouldn't want her, her around either. Mm-hmm. Um, and at a movie, like it feels desperate to me. It's, it's interesting. Cause it's like, I feel, I think her mom really is sorry. Yeah. I think so too. But knowing what we know about her and even what she says, she says something about like, I was just like, you know, she wanted a superhero child to feel better about herself, right? Yeah. And then she shows up at like this major movie production, and it's like, and like, wait, why? All the mothers were, all, everyone was doing it. Like, mm, that's not a good yeah. excuse. Either, that's not you know? a good like, excuse. Sorry. But like, she didn't come to her at like her apartment right. or come to yeah. her one on one. Like, right. she came to a public setting that's at a big film production where her daughter is a star. It's like, mm-hmm. oh sure, you really wanted to come here to reconnect with me. Yeah, and. Not nice fancy craft services table yeah yes Mm -hmm. and so it feels very like i think she really is sorry but similar to the deep it's like she's not actually being really self-aware of things it's like she's not she's not quite there did she did she come up did she come on her own or did stormfront invite her I think that she came on her own. Okay, that's what I thought. I would not put it past, you know. She said she's been trying to get in touch with her. So she could have, I could see her reaching out to Stormfront or Stormfront just happened to. Or maybe she like let her in, right? Let her in the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come come back to the, you know, the craft services and. Exactly. Have a crepe of Vietnamese Come back here. Oh, I want to fuck with Starlight. So yeah, come back here. (laughs) Exactly. She's so opportunistic. She's like, I don't know how I'm going to use this, but I know this is going to be a benefit to me. Um, Yeah. She uses this therapy language too. And there's like, I wrote down what she said. She said, I used you as a trophy to make myself feel better. And that was wrong. And, you know, I have a lot of mixed feelings about that because I don't like as a person who's in a lot of therapy, like I use therapy language. Like I think that there is power in like expressing yourself in a way that makes sense to you. But I also, I think it's like the deep too. It's like, you know, I don't, is that just what she's told she's been told she's supposed to say? And if she says those words, it'll fix it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and also not comparing what she did to what the deep did. Cause they're both very different things, but also like, I think it's fine for Starlight to not be ready to forgive her. And this totally. is a big, like, high stakes thing. And, you know, I don't want to deal with that at work. Right. You know? I, I, so. I see your point on the hero villain thing because she has every right to go and apologize, even if it's not really, like, what she needs to hear or the or we think mm-hmm. might be the correct apology. But yeah. then also Starlight has every right to be in a place where she, A, can't hear it, doesn't want to accept it, and and doesn't need you to be there. So yeah. I feel like, but you know, to Rachel's point, yeah, maybe just go to the apartment. 
you know like yeah. why is it this whole performative thing almost like it needs to be seen by people or yeah. or or if i catch her in front of people she'll have to react in a way that's you know what i mean like then that's even more that's another form of manipulation so exactly yeah. it's like proposing at a baseball game or something right you know? right it's like well, she's gonna have to forgive you because there are people around so yeah um all right well let's i'm kind of saving our our big big uh a plot uh let's talk about kimiko and frenchie again not a whole lot going on in this episode but i think we have this really Wait, I think there's some shit goes down between these two in this episode. Like, it's not a big scene. Yeah, they don't uh, yes, yes, I think yeah, that's what I yeah. meant. Yeah, yeah. She does pull some dude's face off. She literally that pulls is awesome. his face off. And then drops it on the floor. <laughs> it's so cool. I. It's more shocking than the entire face off movie. This, that, that is true also. This was like the pregnancy thing. Like, I, like I've. After it happened, I forgot that it ever happened because my brain needed to not see that. <laughs> so when it happened, I was just like, oh, my God, I, f- I totally <laughs> forgot that that happened. And it's it is brutal and, and awesome. Uh, yeah. The, mm. Like you said, I, I laughed when you said, oh, nothing's really going on with Frenchie and Kamiko because I kind of felt like that for a long time with them uh, mm. just in general. But. I do. I did really like that scene, and the the this, the one real scene that we get with them with the confrontation. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, yes, thank you. It just yeah. feels like they're just kind of sitting in the back having a conversation every time we see them, and nothing's really moving forward. But mm-hmm. um, but things are getting complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. So Kamiko, I guess, is not handling her brother's death very well and is coping by taking out hits orchestrated by Frenchie's, you know, special friend. (laughs) Handler or contact? Yeah. You know, and I think that what I do appreciate about that woman is she's like, you know, she's not a kitten. Like she can choose whatever, like if she wants to do this, like, you know, let her do it. And like, I, you know, there's, I get it. Like if that's what she needs to do in this moment to just like get through it, but also like, that's an interesting way, I guess, but to each their own. I mean, if you're going to rip somebody's face off, you might as well get paid for it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just like get those feelings out in a way where you're not hurting somebody (laughs) that you actually like care about or, you know, an innocent losing it on like an innocent bystander, I guess. Um, I did think it was interesting Frenchie kind of losing it with her and Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that he was wrong no I don't either because like time and time again we've seen him try to be like and even he asked her brother like teach me this language teach me how to talk to you like like him asking like I don't understand I need you to give me something I need Mm -hmm. you to kind of like I'm willing to meet you halfway but I can only go halfway and I think finally he's like you know, she she's yelling at him basically in in sign language, knowing that he can't understand, mm-hmm. and he just kind of loses it on her. Which it's like I get it. He's tried so many times. It's like I want to learn, I want to understand, and you won't teach me. So you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the whole go be a monster thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, she understands him perfectly. So it uh, yeah. to sit with that afterward. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the, the scene that we get with them is really good in this one. Yeah, it's it's intense, it's gripping. We finally have that confrontation, not 
mm-hmm. the kind of confrontation that happens at the end. Uh, no, <laughs> this is a yeah, this is a different type of conf- confrontation. <laughs> Yeah. But um well and it's interesting because neither of them are wrong, you know? Like yeah, she yeah. yes, Frenchie is frustrated, but also she like when I think about the amount of trauma that she has experienced in her life, like I could understand not wanting to teach anybody my secret language, you know, and it just kind of is something we used to talk about on psychoanalysis a lot. It's like it can be really hard to be in a relationship, romantic or otherwise, with someone who is dealing with a lot of grief and trauma. And uh, that doesn't make it the person who's dealing with that that's fault, that it is difficult to be in a relationship with them. But, like, it's it's hard for Frenchie, too. And I think he's got, most of the time, he's got M.M. and Huey and Butcher to kind of at least dump off some of that pressure with. And now that everything is kind of scattered to the winds, I think, we're seeing him explode at Kamiko. And that's just something that happens when you're, when you're trying to make sense of all of this really awful stuff. Um, and I love seeing them kind of get to this point because I do think it is a point that you have to get to in a relationship. And I mean, I, they are still not in a romantic relationship, but you know, they are, they feel like partner friend kind of, you know, thing. And, you know, I think they have to get to this point to be able to get past it. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's what I'm, I'm hoping will happen. Although I won't say what will happen. Um, all right, well, let's move on to the rest of our boys. Um, and I think maybe we can start with Butcher, but I think we can talk about Huey and MM uh, all kind of mixed up into a little, a, a polycule, if you will, of, um, uh, fuck pig and taffy room <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, so we see Butcher, um, he's a man without a cause, um, I wrote, he starts a hot fight in a punk club. It feels very like um, self-harming. He feels very like passively suicidal in this episode. Like his, for the past, I don't know, seven years, he's been searching for Becca. And now what's he going to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's actually heartbroken, I feel like. Yeah, Whereas before so. it was like, I don't know. I mean, it was heartbroken, but in a different way. But this time it's like, you know, he still had a cause. He still had like that vendetta, that revenge, right? Driving mm-hmm. him and like that, that unknown component. Now he has answers. Yeah. And he, he doesn't like them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like the answers he got. So mm-hmm. that's just like a whole other kind of level of loss and, and sadness. I think that he doesn't know what to do with. <laughs> yeah. And there's this moment where Huey is talking about Robin and he's like, well, at least she's still alive, you know, and I yeah, think that there's, there's is a really interesting. Exactly. Or at least, you know, she is, she's happy in this moment. Maybe she's scared, yeah. but she's safe mm-hmm. for this moment, probably, you know, and, and Robin got run through. So I, I think that's an interesting perspective because it doesn't necessarily mean Butcher is in a better place than Huey is. And it might even hurt worse for Butcher because there was a choice involved, but yeah. It just, I don't know, I think they are really talking about about their pain in a way that I think helps both of them. But um, Mac, how do you feel about Butcher? Love Carl Urban. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and uh, it's a roller coaster with Butcher because mm-hmm. sometimes I really love what they're doing with the character. And other times it's like that shot of Shane in The Walking Dead you know, when they get to the, have you guys seen the first season of The Walking Dead? When mm-hmm. they get to the facility and everyone's taking a shower and everyone's doing 
the most stereotypical thing you could possibly think that that character would do. Like Shane's in the shower, like drinking whiskey. And, (laughs) you know, it's just like, he is that character. So when he goes to the bar and he just picks a fight and everybody, and he you know, just start beating the hell out of him, you know, but, but that is the character and they, yeah. yeah, it's so amped up that you have to remember this is purposeful. We're not, mm-hmm. th- you know what I mean? Like that's the whole point of the show It's like, he mm-hmm. is that character. He is the Shane character from Walking Dead, but like to mm-hmm. the like 10th power. Yeah. And it's hard to bring some kind of gravity to that character because it, because it is so amped up and so macho and so, you know, in your face all the time, uh, it, it feels like it could just be one note. I think Carlbin does a really good job bringing those moments. Like you said that when he's on the phone with Huey, there are these grounded moments that you realize, okay, he's more than that. And, um, and just in the prior episode when, you know, she makes the decision not to go and he says that pretty awful thing about the son and mm-hmm. but even when he says it, you can tell i, I it's just it's the, the conflict is just seething through like every pore but he just can't change right now like i mm-hmm. mean and he's yeah. dealing with all these things he just found out that she's still alive and all that so it's 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 wild but yeah i it is quite a roller coaster there there are episodes where i can't i can't get past <laughs> just it's just like this is too much but um yeah but I do love Carl Urban, and I, I think he, he in this episode. I think he does a really good job. Um, I agree, especially seeing him when I, he shows up at the house. <laughs> I did, yes. Seeing him in those like you know domestic environments and things is just always like really fun. Yeah, it really kind of puts it in perspective how edge lordy he always kind of is, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I say that with love. And one thing I think is really interesting about the show is a lot of times when I talk to people about it. I find that like a lot of people are either really drawn to Homelander or they're really drawn to Butcher, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. I am a Homelander girl, you know, as much as I love Butcher. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, he's just a really interesting character, mm-hmm. but he also, I think he blends in with the gnarliness of the boys sometimes, you know? Yeah. They, they do both Homelander and Butcher, I think feel the most comic booky. Like they yes. feel the most like cartoon characters in like they're kind of, not not one dimensionalist, but just kind of like how strong they are and how mm-hmm. hard they lean into certain things. I yeah. do wish that sometimes Carl Urban would. It's like okay, like just maybe you don't have to go like full Jack Sparrow, <laughs> like you know. Like, I thought you were gonna say. Yes. I, I, I wish he would just put the dread helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's just sometimes it feels a little Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Like, you know, like, in, like, all of his movements and everything. Mm. And it's like, God, if he says something about rum, I can't. <laughs> like, I just... He's drinking rum you know, in the shower. Like, <laughs> I Yeah, like, I know it's, like, partially part of the, you know, I think Butcher's... He puts on kind of this facade and, like, that's intentional. But I also wish sometimes in the show it would just, like, tone it down a little Dial it down, bit. Carl. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're going sparrow on us. <laughs> uh, I do like his uh, his. He's a dog guy, you know. Yeah. And, uh, we I, the <laughs> scream I let out. I was watching this at like five thirty this morning, <laughs> and I was like, my my husband was like getting ready, and I'm like, the dog. <laughs> such a like, cute, cute dog. Well, and we just posted a picture of Anthony Starr with some dogs in his car too, and I was like, "They're dog guys." Oh, I love it. 
Um, oh, I, w- I was like always wondering, like, what happened to the dog? What happened to the dog? Mm-hmm. And I'm like so glad. Uh, that is something I just admire about this show. It's like those little threads that you just kind of write off like, oh, they just dropped that. No, they didn't. It just mm-hmm. took some time, but they picked that thread back mm-hmm. up and, you know, we get terror again. And it's not that he butcher gave him away or, you know, whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's been okay. This dog has been existing in those years without Becca and like is safe and he hasn't forgotten about him. Like, yeah. Even as a girlfriend, so happy. you know? <laughs> yeah, the fuck pig. The fuck pig. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I do want to talk uh, about M.M. first. I'm going to go to M.M. before I go to Huey because I feel like I just M.M. just is constantly getting lost in the, all of these outside characters. And I love him so much. Yeah. I love him in this episode. Like he, I think, can really read Butcher. He knows exactly where he is and he is not willing to let Butcher um like destroy himself, you know, or kind of really kind of tear his life apart. And I think um, he, you know, Huey can talk a lot, but M.M. is the one that really backs it up, you know, and he's the one that always comes through in those moments. Yeah. I feel like he's acting as like a check for for Butcher so often where it's like, you know, Huey's coming at him from one angle and then like Butcher is coming at another and mm-hmm. M.M.'s kind of the one like breaking that tie a little bit to be like, no, dude, like. Well, you're going to have to go through me, too, because yeah. you're wrong in this situation. Like, take a beat. Just mm-hmm. chill out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like M.M.'s like, he, it feels like he was the Huey before, kind of, in a sense. Or mm-hmm. he's like, he's had those conversations. He's lost them. He knows what, he knows what, what will and won't work with Butcher. But I think he's forgotten. With Huey there, I think that he sees there's, there still are ways to get through to Butcher he that that mm's just had given up at some point but i think he's kind of slowly getting back on board with uh, maybe he's not just completely lost and and on this vendetta maybe there's the butcher i i knew at one point you know kind of thing yeah that just it reminds me of when he went inside the whale with huey it's like he's just not he's not gonna leave him behind you know and it's it's really sweet especially to see yeah. someone so attractive be so kind and sweet well, let's talk about Huey. Speaking of so attractive, because he is still my constant crush on the show. Um, uh. he, he gets to cuddle with a fuck pig. Um, but yeah, his conversation about like, quote unquote, cashing in, I think with Robin, I think is really interesting. Like, I think that happened in so many episodes ago that I think it's easy for me to forget that that's really the catalyst for the whole show and that that's not over for him. It is something that he's still dealing with, even though he has, I think, fallen in love with Starlight. Um, But yeah, and we learn that he looks like Butcher's little brother, which I think is very interesting. And I think kind of casts an interesting light on, um, on Butcher's feelings towards him too. Yeah, that dynamic. I mean, Mac, you're a brother. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know. No, kind I, of I when as soon as they said that, I and it's it's so it's such an easy string to pull, but it it, it mm. did. I it it I I was immediately like, yeah, I th- you know there there is a strange thing with siblings where you know, um, yeah, I think it, you just it's an easy it's an easy connect, but. It it made me like oh, okay. Like I I was kind of it gave me gave him that edge again, you know, where I, I felt mm-hmm. like there was an, again it wasn't just you know 
Jack Sparrow, it was, you know, I felt like there's a reason and we're going to keep getting more of this and more of the reason mm -hmm. why he is who he is and why Huey is in the picture. And mm -hmm. I just feel like it's easy to forget during the show because the episodes are so long <laughs> that <laughs> you're not just watching superhero fluff because so much of it can be that like in a pointed funny way. But then there's these moments where you're like, oh, like, oh, this is, this is really sad, you know, and mm -hmm, this is really mm -hmm. moving. And there's, comp there's just really smart people writing this. And, and I, I can't just like check out because there's a fight scene or, you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's difficult to retrain your brain in that sense. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like that reveal and uh, it's, it, it definitely hit me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked Huey in this because I felt like for one of the, like the really the first times that he's kind of not only understanding Butcher a bit more, but actually like understanding how to communicate with Butcher yeah. and like making the effort to adapt to this person in his life. Whereas I think he's been like baby stepping towards that. And, you know, we've seen them kind of butt heads and him willing to stand up to Butcher. But now it's like he's almost learning like, OK, this is not like picking and choosing his battles a little bit and mm -hmm. like learning that if I come at him with frustration and anger, that's not going to serve me here. Like I need to take a different kind of a different approach. Mm -hmm. And it's been really interesting to see kind of their dynamic shift as they get to know each other a little bit better because it seems like at the end of the day, like there is kind of a, I mean, there's a friendship and there's some sort of unique, like love isn't the right word, but like just that they actually do care about each other and that they both, at least right in this moment, it feels like Huey cares enough to make those changes and how he's communicating with him, mm -hmm. even if that isn't going to get Huey what he wants and needs at this exact moment, he's investing in the larger friendship. Mm -hmm. at this point it feels like and i think that that's it's just been really interesting watch their watching the relationship evolve and it feels like there was a lot of forward steps taken in this episode yeah yeah and i think like knowing because we he learns one that butcher had a younger brother that he looks like and that this brother has passed away and we don't really learn much about that but I think with Huey knowing what he knows about Butcher I think that puts a lot in perspective too like oh no it is painful for me to care about you because you know I've already lost Becca and I lost my brother and now like I I don't want to care enough about somebody that I'm gonna lose again and I think yeah the um when the dream on needle drop happens and they're all kind of just smiling and they're going to drive <laughs> off, you know, um, I was, I was like, this feels like a good ending for them. Yeah. Like they, they, they have a win. They made it out. They're okay. They're back together. They've gotten some shit out of their system and, and, you know, we're, we're heading to the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. What's his aunt going to do? They like blew uh, up her, they blew her house. house up. Yeah. Although she probably got some money stashed away somewhere with her. her she's got a little lucrative. Her, her, her yeah. dealing pills. Right. Exactly. I mean, do we know that the taffy room is destroyed? Maybe she got a cot down there and she can rebuild on top. Yeah. Maybe so. there's some, uh, yeah, there's maybe there's a little nest egg down there or something. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask, because I don't really know where to put this. Did, uh, did any of you watch, uh, Star Trek stuff or uh, like Lower Decks? 
Oh, I haven't yeah. seen Lower so, Decks. I know what you're talking so about. Jack, but yeah, Jack, Jack Quaid, Quaid on Lower Decks does the voice of the second lead on the on it, uh, Brad Boimler. And I just like watched like Boimler? three seasons in a row. Yes, Boimler. Boimler. <laughs> he, That's it's fun. a silly, really silly character. But I was really hesitant to start it, and I finally watched. I watched like three seasons, like really, really quickly because they're short seasons. Because the new season was coming on, and I like Star Trek. I'm a big Star Trek fan. And uh, and they did a crossover episode where they were both um on strange new worlds as they're like coming out of the animated universe into the real world it was really really funny Mm. but all this to say this entire episode i could not get boimler out of my head because i i I just i i hear jack quaid talking and if i look down to take to write a note i just see that character talking to billy butcher you know or whatever it's just like it, it, mm-hmm. it kills me it's like i don't know why and this is it's not the first thing i ever saw him in too i mean i've known jack quaid primarily from the boys you know that's mm-hmm. that, that was my entrance to it but i just cannot get that character out of my head so it added did an it extra level your, to it. when you watched scream the new did that taint you because i had not seen the boys before i saw the new scream movies did that taint how you saw the screen no but it, but when we did our initial episode and guesses, I was like, well, it's probably, you know, I, I mean, right. I, I, I guess yeah. because I, I was like, well, you're not just putting him in there for no reason. But, right. yeah. but also, I mean, he has a very meaty role in it. So I, I, I thought that he was just going to be like, you know, guy number seven or something. And I was like, well, gotcha. if he's guy number seven, he's got to be. He's gonna be it because you're not just putting him in there for no. Because he's really good on the boys, and I, I just thought, yeah, why, why wouldn't you use him? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and it was different too. I, 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 I think you know. I mean, he's kind of playing that same character a little bit, you know, in that. Mm, well, yeah. to, for for a little while, but but yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah I, I, I like Jack Quaid. Uh, I think I've liked him more seeing him continue in other roles and stuff. I think because all I had forever was Huey who sometimes gets on my nerves, even though yeah. I, I like him and I, I, you know, rooting yeah. for him. But like, sometimes I'm just like, you know, it's like watching season seven of walking dead when people are, you know, we just found a town and people are making all the same mistakes that we've already learned from. Yep. And, it, but yeah. again, it's that whole superhero thing where you're like, yeah, of course you're gonna have the character. It's making all the mistakes that they make in these kinds of things, and that's Huey. Yeah, I'm also just, just got to grab him and be like, Carl, <laughs> Carl. <laughs> I'm just not a, I'm just not a big Billy Joel fan, so it just really, oh, yeah. it really like mm-hmm. whenever they lean into that, it's just the eye rolly, like, <laughs> like, oh, like okay, like let's go. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> but uh, but no, he's 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 good, and um. It's moments like that, though, like this scene when they're on the phone where I forget what they have here. And and like you said, you forget that first instance and mm-hmm. what to get the driving force of the show for him. And so when they have those moments that are a little bit more real and a little bit more grounded, uh, you're like, oh, that's right. This is why I'm watching the show, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. because these guys are really good. And yeah. Yeah. And he's also able to pull out the comedy moments, too, like. One of my favorite moments of the whole show is him just like shooting the machine gun and yelling, I'm sorry, at the same time, you know. 
<laughs> um, I have always loved um, Dennis Quaid. I did not say Randy Quaid this time. Oh. I remember which one. Hey, I you don't like Randy on. Quaid? <laughs> I, hey, I love Randy Quaid, but not not quite the love. same way that I like uh, Dennis Quaid. But I remember watching Jaws 3 as a kid, and that's when I first fell in love with him. I love that and, that's your like, touch. <laughs> Dennis Quaid. Hey, it was on USA <laughs> a lot. Out, Quaid. <laughs> exactly. But he's pretty yeah, dreamy. I guess now. mine was but anyways, space, like, so. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, that's <laughs> right i do like inner space yeah Yeah. i forgot about that one um but like that moment at the end when dream on and he just gives that smile and i'm like i see i see dennis i see it you know and it brings me right back to me being a kid watching jaws 3 and being like oh you're so dreamy um and i think yeah he just i i I love huey he's one of my favorite characters on the show um partly because i have a crush um, and there's one more character. We have seen her before. There's not a whole lot to say right now, but we get Victoria Newman in this episode. Very heavily AOC coded, like even talking about like she was dancing on TikTok um, mm-hmm. or whatever the kids are, are posting about. Um, but she is leading an anti-Homelander rally. And so just kind of want to see if there's anything we want to say about her. I'm just excited that politics are kind of re-entering in that, like Mm -hmm. the conversation in an interesting way, because I think I brought it up a few episodes ago where it's like, oh, yeah, there's a president. Like, oh, yeah, there's this like other political sphere and these other kind of things, because I feel like for a second they kind of dropped it once like the soups, you know, got involved in the military and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing. They kind of, you know, not. I mean, I'm sure it was intentional, kind of drop that thread for a minute. And so it's kind of nice to see it coming back, but in in a different capacity now that Madeline's gone and we don't really need that element anymore. Um, And just to kind of see where they're going to take that, because obviously I think that that would be a very real thing that would happen is politicians coming out either in support or against or kind of navigating how soups, you know, live in this world. So I am. I like seeing that, and I'm excited to see her more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, people, uh, you know, putting the spotlight uh, on the politicians, it they're almost uh, I don't want to say as untouchable as the soups, but they're very high profile. So you know, yeah. you, you can't mess with them because then everybody would know that you're messing with the person that they elected to put you know up there, and yeah. mm-hmm. so they they do have kind of like this weird clout that they can bandy around with. Uh, with Vought and superheroes. So it, I was equally as interested in uh, the re-entry or entry of this character and this stuff, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like that tension between like monarchy and elected officials mm. because like one is chosen by the people but nobody elected Homelander. And we mm-hmm. see this yeah. this um, servicemen say, you don't speak for us, which I think may be the first time anybody's ever said that to Homelander's face. And it's yeah. because she is leading this rally, you uh. know. Um, so, yeah, we will, uh, you know, not I don't want to spoil anything, but this is the first time we're going to see her uh, doing some interesting things that's not on a news screen, but it won't be the last um, let's move into our next category, which is good and evil. I, the only thing I wanted to mention is the movie and there's, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but one that's super cringy moment. Don't worry, girls get it done, which is just oh, so yep. like on the nose. But like, what I think is interesting is this is an episode with so many emotional moments and those are the moments that we see in the movie and just to see how fake it is in the movie and how real, like, 
it is in the show. It's just such an interesting contrast. And and then even the moment where we see A-Train, where it's kind of a mix of the two. Also, I love the weird green mutants that are just like the Oh, yeah, that is so dudes. funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's so funny. Wait, what movie is it? It's Dawn of where... the Seven. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. The Marvel. <laughs> is it Endgame or where like they have that, they literally have that moment where it's like all the female characters. Oh, it's Endgame. It's, it, it, is it Endgame? Yeah, they're like, we got okay. this. And then it's all yeah. the female, it, you know, superheroes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's, really? yeah, it's like, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's character. It's Captain Marvel. It's Scarlet Joy. Like, they're all there. And like, we got, oh, it's, it it's so, feminism, right? <laughs> it was so funny seeing this, knowing that like, and like, I have such conflicting feelings about it because I understand the value. I understand yeah. the importance. It's hard. Like, I, yeah. I get it. But it's also really funny when you see it because it's like, it feels very performative and very mm-hmm. silly. Right. And it comes at a time in that movie where you can put that in there because it's just, yes. it's chaos. chaos in that moment. And everything that... As a as a kid growing up and reading these and collecting the cards, that that was a moment for me where, or just that battle was a moment for me where mm-hmm. I was like, I cannot believe they're doing this, and I cannot believe this is happening. I cannot believe it's being done as well as it as it is. So when that happened, I was like, sure, let's go. What what else are they gonna do? <laughs> like like at that point, Why I felt not? like they were untouchable at that point. Um, yeah. but I do see it is very performative. There's a lot of performative stuff in that, but it, that it is, and I can see it now. And then also, obviously, this was totally like a nod to that, but you know, and which is funny. I, I, the, the whole, anytime they, they cut back to the, the, what, what was the name of the movie again? The right, right. Oh, Dawn, Dawn of the Seven. Dawn of the Seven. <laughs> anytime they cut back to that in any of the, the seasons or anything, whenever they show the movies, dying laughter, because it's oh, just yeah. so spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's, we're, it's such a fun way for them to be like, like yes we know uh-huh. <laughs> you know it's just it's playing into that superhero right. fatigue and just kind of and literally like even visually the fact that like the movie is very like gold and like mm-hmm. the color grading right. of the movie and then it just like is like a sharp cut to like the really cold the icy blue world of the boys mm-hmm. and so even having like that visual separation is just them very in a very boys fashion being like yes we know and like we're aware and we're intentionally playing with these things and it's just something of course like i just love it even more that they're willing to do that even homeland is like you know oh this new joss rewrites really really great you know really sings or whatever you know (laughs) like it's that is what he said i didn't yes (laughs) it is Really good. Man, really good. That's one thing I love about the show is they just really pick on some cultural moments. And like the and as it goes on, it gets more and more explicit. Like I'm thinking of some particular moments in season three that I cannot wait to talk about. Um all right. Well, I see a couple other themes in here. Um, let's talk about the needle drop. Dream on. Love that song. I I loved this needle drop because I do think it was just kind of like it was, a, I feel like, a theme in this whole episode, just kind of the willingness to look past sort of the immediate circumstances that these people have all found themselves in and wanting more in mm-hmm. some way. And so the fact like ending it on that note 
was like, oh, it couldn't have been more perfect. Like, mm. of course. <laughs> I I had to laugh when Dream On came on because it is one of those songs where, you know, I I'm, I'm I just turned 40. I've lived a lot of life. I've Welcome. seen a lot of movies. I've seen, <laughs> thank you. I've lived a lot of life. I've seen a lot of films and television series, a lot of television series. So whenever they play a song like this, it's just like I've heard it on every other show at some point or something. Mm-hmm. I always have to like cringe. And, and and really it's not because right now it's being used like in that 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 trailer for the the creator. Um that movie oh. the creator. Oh. And, it, it, and it's like it's the, it is the trailer. It's like built around the song mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, I was just like, oh, this song again. And like, don't get me wrong, I love Dream On and, and mm-hmm. I, I can talk about that another day. But uh I I will say though it, for this for this montage as it continued I was like this works mm-hmm. I felt like it really worked and uh, so I had to you know push past my my prejudice <laughs> coming in. <laughs> well, I knew we were going to get some tit lasering in some episode, but I could not like a lot of what is happening in season two. I couldn't remember exactly when it was going to happen, and I thought this was just a nice little closing song for the Huey M.M. Butcher moment. Mm-hmm. And then we transition mm-hmm. into uh, some some soup sex, which is which we can talk about in shock and awe, or we can just... Uh, it's it's all over the well, place. You can't... Next. I mean, it's such... Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. I think the only other themes I had, like, I just love the dog, and I loved how it related to... Like, it's... I feel like as a dog owner, as my dog right here behind me, like, <laughs> I feel like it's, like it says something about butcher like mm-hmm. not only was i just happy to see this adorable bulldog back on screen but just the fact that like butcher you know like he we see him talking to this dog which is something i do all the time and mm-hmm. it's just kind of, it feels like that that anchor for him in some ways and just kind of shows that he is still grounded in some sort of reality mm-hmm. that he has his aunt he has a family he has this dog that he still is like checking in on and also that you know, that that unconditional love that terror is going to give him. I think he needs that in that moment. And just mm. kind of that that little injection of like, all right, I can I can move on in this way and, you know, come back and check on terror whenever I need like a little serotonin boost. <laughs> yeah. Great dog name, too. I, you know, I think the theme, like the whole idea of, you know, don't push your friends away thing yeah. with it's just you know obviously with Huey, Huey and M.M. like coming back for Butcher and then but the flip side of that right you have Homelander mm-hmm. who's alone and he in the in the twisted messaging <laughs> you know he allows Stormfront in and mm-hmm. you know and she sees him for what he is and like he's like you're saying you know it you're kind of like cool like they get each other but they're also like they do, yeah. terrifying and scary as hell <laughs> right. but uh mm. but he could have just not accepted her help and kept pushing her off and not let her in and not be himself so mm-hmm. it's like weird that you're kind of like oh yeah you're you're you know it, it, i like that they showed that on both sides that it wasn't just the good guys you know uh, allowing their friends in you see the villains also doing that but it's also yeah, it's not great, but you know, <laughs> mm. but they seem you know happier you know, <laughs> in yeah. that moment. Um, well, it's just another like instance of I think the the good guys and the bad guys really running in parallel paths, and there's so much overlap with these emotions and the way they're able to let them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I do really like this, um, the the final scene with Butcher where he like, you know, it must be hard for him to kind of drop this information that he has about Becca and to use it. And it's the second time this season we've seen him kind of put himself out there to save Frenchie when he could have just kind of let go, you know, and I think that is that's a hard thing for him. And I think it but I think it's going to help him. Um. Well, let's move into shock and awe. We got a, uh, we can't be pussies. We got to laser our fucking tits. It's time to talk about the soup sex. I'm not going to lie. I uh, enjoyed watching this scene at the end. <laughs> and I love how like crashy it is. Like we don't even really see much, you know, but yeah. it's just like, it feels like the kind of like hookup that like Homelander has been dying for like his whole life. Like it's like, the dream of lasering the whole crowd feels like, like, I don't, that would be a completion for him as well. And because he can't do that, he has to like hold in his powers. Like this is finally somebody he doesn't have to hold back around, which I think, you know, there's, there's an attraction to that, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a sequence where these are two very evil people, but it's, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's palpable here. You know, I was mm-hmm. loosening my collar there at the end. Like, <laughs> okay, oh, 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 okay. You know, uh, if and, you could fly, how cool would that be? <laughs> yeah, just that shot at the end. You're just like, okay. Uh, I love how they both like have their capes on stuff. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's. I'm sure that's. So I'm sure that's. Uh, you know, that's been <laughs> illustrated and you know and blown up and put on someone's you know headboard or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh man, <laughs> no, I, I, it was. I loved it too because you could just see like a Homelander when she's like, "No, laser my fucking tits," and he's mm-hmm. like, "Like what? I get to do this? Like mm-hmm. I'm so well, like, yeah. like he's never been able to just have this freedom like this." Yeah. yeah, and this is like next level, right? I mean, because I feel like yeah with Elizabeth Shue's character kind of kept him I feel like there was a whole like sub kind of feel to it where yes. he liked to have someone else having control because he always had control mm-hmm. so he was allow- allowing her to have that but this is like next level like mm-hmm. there's still that dynamic but there's no um there's there's no like safe word right so it's right. It's, yeah. it's pushing the envelope even further which mm-hmm. is, yeah, and and I think and 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 seeing Stormfront really own that sequence does level her up by the end of this episode, and mm-hmm. you know, because um, I, I had seen Aya Cash on, uh, gosh, what was that other show that she was on on FX? I'm blanking, but she was on this show and it's really good. It's called, and, uh, you're the worst. Ah, Mm. oh yeah. And, uh, so when she showed up on this show, I was like, oh, they've got a really, really, really great, you know, actress on their hands here. I think that they can really do something really, really good with her. So, uh, I was really excited when this episode happened because I felt like we got more there was a trajectory and there's absolutely uh you know a real swing being taken and Mm -hmm. uh and setting up the rest of the season I think and and I was I was really happy that um she was moving into that realm 
I, yeah, but this, yeah, in terms of shock and awe, uh, yeah, I, I think I was expecting them to maybe like kiss. <laughs> right. I didn't, but then it just goes full tilt. And I just thought that was pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and she also has the scene with A-Train, too, that I think I meant to talk about earlier, but um, just the level of, like, big and, like, soft and quiet that she is in this episode is just such oh, a yeah. cool range, you yeah. know, and I think she's really killing this role. Um, and when I think about her at, compared to Madeline, like, Madeline really figured out how to work Homelander because she was afraid of him and he would kill her. And then he did. Um, but I think Stormfront has figured out how to work Homelander too. It's just in a much more like um, malevolent way. I think for Madeline, it was survival. And I think, yeah. um, you know, Stormfront is, I mean, also think she's into him because he is very, very attractive. Um, but yeah. It's, well, and, and like, he's an equal in her eyes in some yeah. ways, like, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, I, I do think that she's got an idea like she wouldn't you know dare hook up with a mere mortal right mm. and so like how many superheroes is she really gonna hook up with so I'm sure on some level she's like yeah he may he's a good partner for her yeah and uh, like on paper anyways she doesn't exactly. have to like him but <laughs> yes. he, she can like having sex with him <laughs> yeah. I just want to be very clear we are not like we are not standing this relationship or shitting no. them. No, it's just fun no. to watch. It was. A <laughs> yeah. wild we know that this would be bad. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. healthy. Hel like healthy and not healthy at the same time at all. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like I'm yeah. in Oppenheimer pointing his camera and saying bombs are bad. You know. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but you never know. Um, well, is there anything else we want to mention in either uh, good and evil or shock and all? The only thing that I. Uh, was gonna say with shock and awe is uh i'm i'm always really surprised when i watch the show at just i'm so shocked that the boys are easily the least interesting thing going on in the show yeah. um not to say that there's their storylines are you know whatever or the actors are bad like no they've got good actors in there and sometimes it's hit it hits but so I I never thought in a million years I'd be so much more invested than everything else going on on the show mm. other than the boys, yeah. uh, which is wild. Um, mm -hmm. I just didn't know if I'm the only one that feels that way. Oh, not at all. Okay. I, and we when Randall uh, joined us to talk about season one, this is something we talked about too. Of course, we know Randall has a thing for bad boys, so it's true. But I think, <laughs> but, but like you said, when you're like Team Homelander rather than you know Butcher, I, I kind of feel the same way. But I think it's because yeah. they, I'm not as interested in those characters in superhero movies. You know, it, I'm always shouting at the screen watching you know Godzilla like. Why why is an hour and 20 minutes with the humans like I just want to watch the the, the yeah. <laughs> I just want to watch the monsters fight and I feel yeah. like that with this too there's there's moments where I'm like I don't want to see Frenchie and Kimiko talk and have a conversation again I just want to see Homelander doing something he shouldn't do and <laughs> you know Colby tearing her hair out you know just like yeah. I, I you know I I, I don't know I I, I I'm sure it's it's also one of those things where it's like if let's say you don't watch superhero shows and you're mm -hmm. watching this, 
you're probably more invested in the boys because that's your entry point, right? Because they're just like mm-hmm. the normal everyday people or whatever. So it, it, it's it's just amazing to me that it, it feels like Cougar Town. <laughs> like, like, like they would have renamed it in like the fifth <laughs> season or something because it's just, uh-huh. it's not not really representative of the show in a sense. Oh, yeah. But yeah. that's what I think is so smart about it though, right? They draw you yeah. in. Like you yeah. think that you're tired of superheroes, but then ultimately, yeah. like the boys are just people acting like people, doing you know, people things, reacting in very human ways, and yet here are these superheroes acting in very unsuperhero ways, in a lot of ways, or acting like counter to what we know superheroes to be, right. and mm-hmm. so that's what's kind of like drawing our attention, which is funny because you know you don't want it. You've got the fatigue, but yet they're drawing you in because of that. They, they so it's reeled just, me it's, in. They, they got me. Yeah, they got a hold of me. Yep. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I think it's always harder to be the ingenue too. Um, and I think for me, it's not that the boys are boring or that these scenes aren't well written or that I don't care about these characters. Like, I think if the, the, the villain side did not exist, I would still be into this show. I'd still watch it, but I wouldn't be obsessed with it the way I am. It's just, I think that the villains are so big and so great that they overshadow the boys. It's like, I love MM. He's one of my favorite characters, like on paper, but he has a forgettable plot because we see, you know, Stormfront getting her tits lasered you know it's just (laughs) the show is so big can't compare (laughs) yeah but i will say like when those boys moments pay off they really are really sweet and and really great so i think it's paced very well because we get a little bit of of the boy stuff and then we get some laser tits you know and then we get a little more of the fuck pig and then we get some more laser laser um all right. Well, let's choose our fighters. This is when we pick our MVPs, MVPs of the episode and why we love them. And Mac, I'm going to start with you. Who are you picking? Stormfront, baby. Hey, Cash. I mean, we just yeah. I just talked about mm-hmm. it. I just think it. there's a tension there that you just cut through. I mean, I, I, it, it, it is intense. Anytime she's on, you always know that something else is up. And... I mean, just that, that character is just, you know, uh, I don't want to, don't want to go into too much, but it just, just from everything that she says in this episode, just, you could tell is just, and the fact that she's been around for a while, it's, there, there's a danger there. There's a, um, there's a real threat there when you realize th- that this person who is this seemingly bad has been around as long as they have or whatever, you know, I mean, and, and, and is still in the game in some way. Like that's, that's smart. That's a, that's a, that's a, a smart villain. And that's, those are always easily the most scared, the most frightening villains, you know, the ones that really know how to play the game. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, she just knocks it out of the park. Um, really, really, really solid before the episode rolled out though. As soon as the Kamiko ripping your face thing happened, I was like, "Oh, it's this. It's this. <laughs> it's, it's Kamiko in, yeah. in this episode." But then she's really not in, the, in a lot of the episodes, so I was like, "Uh." Yeah. But I'm glad we got to yeah. talk about that scene because that is this is still killer. Ooh. Yeah, like just with her fingers. Yeah, Oof. she didn't even have a knife. Rachel, who are you picking? 
Terry the dog. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was just so happy to see him and that they brought that back and just like how it related to Butcher and kind of acted as this sort of like sweet icebreaker between Butcher's family and Huey and M.M. And it was just like such a lighthearted, sweet thing to put into this episode where there's a lot of other big shit going on. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, yeah, just throw a cute little dog in there and kind of lighten the mood. I love that. It made me so happy. (laughs) It was a great little dog actor. And I'll also say they have a season two bloopers reel and there is a fun little blooper involving the dog. So definitely check that out. Yeah. Um, I am... uh... I'm going to pick Stormfront, too. Um, I normally would try to give um, give it to somebody else that hasn't already been named. But, man, she just kills it in this episode. And I think, like, it's the scene at the end. But the thing that I really, like, I my mind is stuck on is how she's just, like, slurping that orange soda when she's talking to A-Train. And just how evil she is with what she is saying how we know exactly what she's saying a train knows exactly what she's saying and she knows a train knows but she knows that she is untouchable in this moment and it's just that level of like malevolence that i think it's just it's perfect like she might as well be twirling a mustache absolutely yeah 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 Yeah. he's fantastic um all right well let's move into predictions rachel what do you think is going to happen next and what are you excited to see I'm excited to see Domestic Bliss, The Deep. <laughs> Mac is covering his I, face I'm like, to not give I'm like envisioning away. <laughs> it kind of like WandaVision a little bit where, you know, we see like The Deep sort of embracing married life in the suburbs. Uh, but I do think that he's going to get back into the seven somehow. However, how he gets back into that, I'm not quite sure, but I believe it might involve Maeve betraying Homelander in some way. And I think that's going to hurt him. I think it's going to shock him. I think he thinks he knows who Maeve is. And I think Maeve is going to be entering a new chapter of her life where she's going to perhaps embrace a new era. She's going to live her hashtag best life era. Um, I I have faith that she's going to do that. Um, And that's going to hurt some Homelander feelings in the process. (laughs) Um, I think that... Well, I don't know. This Homelander Stormfront thing is really throwing me for a loop because I think they're going to have a thing. I don't think Stormfront's going to want to have a relationship, like a public relationship with him. But I think Homelander might because he's kind of pathetic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I'm excited to see how it plays out. Uh, A-Train... I don't know. I never know what's going to happen with A-Train. I feel like anything anything could happen with him. Um, So I don't know. Everybody else, I really genuinely don't know. But I, I, I think, I don't know why I'm so excited to see what happens with the deep. But I think it's because, yeah, the curveball of this new wife. Mm-hmm. Is, is 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 very interesting. And I'm very excited to see what happens with this church because I think they're up to no good. Well, I am once again, like zipping my lips and throwing the key away. Um, (laughs) I think you're going to be happy with some stuff coming up. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap up with some plugs. Uh, Mac, where can we find you and what's coming up on Halloweenies? Well, yeah, you can find me over at the Halloweenies podcast. Uh, We've got a ton of good stuff. I don't know what else is coming out this month. We always record these things in weird, weird, weird times. (laughs) We sure do. Yeah. yeah. This will probably drop around October, I think. 
But yes, uh, if we're in October, a ton of stuff going on in October. Every week, uh, we're doing a live event at the Music Box on the second. If you've, mm-hmm. if it, if it's past the second already, hope hope we saw you there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're continuing our coverage on the Child's Play series, uh, or or well, the series and now the series this month in October, and. Um, and doing a lot of lists and watch-alongs. And uh, yeah, come join us over there. It's really fun. And uh, Rachel's just joined the gang. So uh, having a blast. Yeah. Awesome. And Rachel, where can we find you? You can find me on, I don't know, Instagram <laughs> and at the Vinyl Girl, G-R-R-R-L. And Twitter, still X, whatever, at mm-hmm. Vinyl Girl. Um, yeah, and that's a great place to keep up with all the pods all the writings here and there. I'll make sure to post everything there. So that's the easiest way to do that, if you care. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find me at Jim Ferratu on, yes, various social places. And I'm also hosting the Losers Club podcast. We are deep into Holly season right now and been talking a lot about Holly. And we just had the Kingies. So, you know, uh, cast your vote if it's not too late for the People's Kingies. And we have a lot of really fun, spooky stuff coming up for spooky season. But yes, I will post all of it um, on Jim Ferratu. And you can also follow us at Girls on the Boys pod. Yes? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Girls on the Boys everywhere. Girls on the Boys, yes. Um, And that is it for this episode of the Girls on the Boys. We want to give a huge thank you to the Anatomy of a Screen pod squad. Make sure to check out the other shows in the feed. Um, and also want to give a huge shout and thank you to Mac for joining us. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you. No, thank you. Anytime, anytime. I, I've had a blast and uh, it's so fun to talk about something uh, just totally offbeat and not normally what I talk about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like it's a, we're flexing our non-horror yeah, muscles a yeah. little bit yeah. too, you know. Although when the show has somebody ripping faces off, like Very true. there's Very a little true. horror there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, please come back and uh, you're welcome anytime uh, to talk about any any other face ripping offing stuff. Um, we will be back in your ears in two weeks to talk about episode six. We are uh, hitting the end game of season two. There's some really good shit coming up. Um, but until then, remember, you guys, you're the real heroes. Squad.